0: Hi, I'm Colleen, recovering bipolar reader and bulimic, Hi. and welcome to all the new people and the people who um, are struggling and in need of takers out there. And thank you for asking me to speak. It's always an honor and a privilege to be of service to this program. And um, I didn't think I'd be nervous, but I'm nervous. Um, people like numbers. I forgot my photos in the car, so next time
1: I'm
0: here, I'll bring them. Um, so I've been in program for 10 years. Um, I'm abs- As of July 1st, i will be seven years I'm abstinent. Um, I had four and a half years lost in Zurich, and I'll talk a little bit about that. And then I have almost seven again this time. And, um, you know, I have freedom from food and body obsession. I have freedom from food and body obsession based on my spiritual fitness. And, um, you know, when I came into program, I was so desperate. And I think that was the key to my staying in program for ten years. And, um, you know, before I walked in here, I was vomiting, I was using laxatives, I shit my pants, I'd go to the 99 cent store and load up on, like, the little Debbie snack cake. Because I'm anorexic with my money, I wouldn't spend money on a binge. (laughs) And, um, because I was just getting rid of it. Like, why am I going to spend $100 on a cake? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, And, you know, in 10 years, I have not done those things you know, and that, and I'm just, like, so grateful, I'm so grateful for this program, and, um, we'll talk a little bit about what it used to be like, um, for the people who can't see me on the podcast, I'm 5'10", and I'm at a healthy body weight, and, um, when I came into program, I was bursting out of a, I think I was a size 16, it could have been size 18, and tailor suit, and, um... You know, I went to a commercial weight loss center, and what I learned there was portion sizes. Like, I didn't know that a a bowl of cereal wasn't a vat of cereal. (laughs) And so I learned a little bit about portion control. Like, you know, we always ate healthy at home, so it's not that, but just sort of kind of common, you know, how to measure food when you're out in public and things like that. Um, But, of course, as all diets, you know, I'm very successful at losing weight. I'm more successful at gaining it back. (laughs) And I have probably lost like 500 pounds of all the up and down and up and down I've been. And, um, you know, I'm grateful that I'm basically maintaining a healthy body weight in around the same size. Um, So when I got into program, I briefly talked about it. Like, I would, um, like, I remember... It's, like, such an embarrassing story, but, like, I was in, like, second grade. My mom, like, we didn't have Costco back then, but I went to have a Costco-sized chocolate Santa. And to me, it was, like, weeks before Christmas. Um, and I started eating them. One here, one there, five here, five there. And then it got close to Christmas, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't think I have enough for the class. And I counted how many students were in the class, and I didn't have enough. So I ate the rest of the bag. <laughs> and I walked in... Full of ga- guilt and shame. And because back where I grew up in Minnesota, there wasn't a 7 Eleven on every corner. It was, you know, was kind of rural. It wasn't rural, but it was, to me, rural. And, um, you know, I, I experienced shame and guilt in second grade. And um, so that's what I didn't, my whole way is always like you'd be so pretty if you lose a little weight. You know, well, you, know you always get those kind of comments oh, you'd be so cute if you weren't so fluffy. And, um, you know, I really resented that. I really resented those remarks. And um, I got into athletics, so I sort of um, was able to balance it out later. But I was never obese. I was kind of big. I was basically my height in sixth grade, and people called me cow. Straight to my face. You know, and I know that, um, like, bullying is much less tolerated now. But I really felt like I... You know, had to compensate for that by getting good grades and um, being perfect, and that's how I compensated, in my own way. And something else I realized is um, I'm doing a really intense force up right now, and I didn't have male role models growing up, and my female role models weren't there either. And so I had to figure everything out. I figured out, like, I was taking care of my siblings, I was cleaning the house. Um, which are all really good life skills, except for I didn't get the life skills I needed. And um, so I learned how, like, the whole puberty thing, sorry, I'm going to briefly talk about this, but, you know, like, how to, you know, I had, like, a mustache in sixth grade, and people were teasing me, my mom didn't want to do, she's like, oh, you're fine, she's blonde. She
1: she didn't get, she didn't get, I'm
0: brunette, like, people can't see me, super brunette, olive skin, dark hair with, like, gorilla hair, actually. But um, so I had to figure out the whole shaving, waxing thing on my own. And, like, you know, we went to Kmart, like, once every few months, and I, like, stocked up on, like, shaving supplies and things like that. And so at a very early age, I learned how to figure things out. And I think, to my detriment, self-reliance is one of my biggest character defects. Because if I'm figuring it out on myself, if I'm relying on myself, to, like, control it. Like, I can do... If I do this diet perfectly, I'll be okay. That is how I live so many years of my life. And um, coming into program, I'm able to give, you know, pebbles to God. Okay, you can have this, God. You can take care of this. And now I'm at the point where I can give Him the ocean. I'm like, not every day. I take it back. I give it to Him. and take it back, and I give it to Him. But I'm always willing to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. And so, um, so what it used to be like... I ate, and the reason why I talk, really talk about what it used to be like is if you don't identify with my problem, you're not going to identify with my solution. And my solution is Overeaters Anonymous and working the 12 steps, going to meetings, doing the work, and having, higher, and having conscious contact with my higher power. And um, so, I would, like I said, went to the 99-Cent Store and bought Little Debbie's Snack Cakes. I would eat frozen food. I remember going, my brother had like a graduation cake, and I would go eat the cake frozen out of the freezer. Um, frozen food, food out of the garbage, food that was burned. I remember burning my tongue in the pan because eating food out of the pan, I was still cooking. Um, frozen, I mean, like everything. Even I would stock the chocolate bunny in the break room. I ate in the bathroom. I ate in the closet. I ate in the car. And then when I got to, like, 6th grade, I realized, like, that's not cool to be fat anymore. Like, I kind of could kind of get by with it. And then it's, like, the boy thing and the peer pressure. And I'm like, oh, this isn't, you know, I'm getting teased if I'm fat. You know? And so I had to start, you know, doing something about it. And my self-reliance kicked in. And um, so I started dieting. Like, back in the days before computers, I would make a big chart and
1: graph. <laughs> and, like...
0: The week one, I would do all this exercise, this intense. Not, like, run five minutes. It was, like, run ten miles. Extreme exercise. I would um, eat a peach all day long. And, like, in ten weeks, I would lose 80 pounds or whatever insane um, insanity there was around it. And, um, you know, I would do good for a week or two. I just couldn't keep it up. It was so exhausting. It was so exhausting to be trying to control everything. Um, And then I got into laxatives and vomiting. And, um, you know, I'm just so glad I'm not doing that anymore. I'm so grateful for that. Um, And, like, one time I went to, I had a binge, I bought laxatives, and I literally shit my pants at work. I think my life's a little unmanageable (laughs) if I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, if I have feces in my pants (laughs)
1: at work. Um,
0: (laughs) due to my little, my little eating problem, you know, and um, thank God it wasn't shortly after that that I got to this program, and um, so when I got here, I was willing to do anything, and I'm so grateful for being desperate to come in here, I was willing to do anything, my sponsor was like, why don't you try 30 meetings in 30 days, I wasn't quite willing to do that, but I did get to like five meetings a week you know and meetings help us feel better when I come to a meeting I get to talk to others I am not I realize I am not alone and um, I feel like I'm willing people I hear people's experience like oh I've been in program for X amount of years you know I'm a hundred pounder like we hear hope in the meetings why would we not want to come to more meetings I don't I just don't get that my sponsors my sponsors are like oh, I don't want to go you gotta go <laughs> um so then um, I got here, and like um, I said, I was bursting out of a size 16, 18 Ann Taylor pants. And um, I went to, I did everything my sponsor told me to do. And my first, ab- I did want to talk about this. My first abstinence when I first got the program was no blueberry muffins. Like, that's what I was eating. I would go to work and have like three one for breakfast, one for lunch, one for snack, and, and I'd still eat huge meals. Um, and then all the the dieting and the binging. I mean, I've done every diet. Like, I'm a compulsive dieter. And I will say that now, remember. So what my abstinence is, is no binging, no purging, no dieting. My um, abstinence is action-based. And my food plan is sort of a guide for me. And my food plan is no sugar. And I've recently given up gluten and sort of sidetracked that. I have been in program 10 years I've had sugar in my abstinence. I've had not had sugar in my abstinence. And, you know, it just makes me crazy. Plain and simple. It just makes me crazy. It's not for everyone. It's just for me. It made me crazy. And um, about eh, last fall, last late, late summer or fall, I started feeling like a crack addict with white flour. I did. I really felt like a crack addict. I was at work, and I had pizza, you know, white flour pizza for lunch, and then I had to go get a samosa on my break, and I had to do something else. And it was, I really felt like, get out of my way. You know, i got to go get that samosa.
1: <laughs> you know?
0: And I really felt like a crack addict, and that was at the point where I was truly willing to give it up because I could see my insanity around it, my compulsive thinking about it. And, you know, this program teaches me to have peace and serenity in my life and I did not have freedom from food and body obsession when I was in that, those foods my acupuncture, suggests, uh, my acupuncture suggests that I do that because I have some health issues and it's really really helped my health issues tremendous, shocking I feel so much better um, so I want to go back to the beginning of my story is my first absence was no blueberry muffins and you know that's all I could manage when I walked in here and so I, I really, really feel sad when we talk to newcomers and, like, no no sugar, no white flour, go to 100 meetings. You know, I, I get that we, you know, want to encourage them, but for me, I would have love skin marks if I would have heard that. You know, and so what I always suggest is, why don't you try six different meetings and see if you feel like you belong. Because our program is, a, is, our program is on attraction, not promotion. And we sit here and we listen to our stories, our, our stories similar to ours. That's what made me willing to say. Is ten minutes? Oh, okay. Like, wow, that was a really
1: fast time. <laughs> um,
0: so how, um, so in program I have, there's so many, like I didn't know a gift of the program would be freedom from food and body obsession. I didn't know a gift of this program would be peace and serenity in my life. I didn't know that a gift of this program would be friends. My God squads here. It's friends in this program that no know, one known me to the whole time I've been in program. I didn't know the gift of the program um, would be I get to look at my character defects and realize that we're all human and we all make mistakes and that we're, you know, we're all spiritually sick. I had no like those are such gifts of this program. I have no idea that walk in and I would receive those gifts. Um, so a little bit about my program because people always like to hear that is I go to three meetings a week. I went to one one yesterday, two today because I had to squeeze them all in. Um, I don't normally do that, but I work full time. I go to school. You know, I have a, I'm an active member of this program, and um, nothing is worth losing my abstinence over and I have experience with this anything I put before my abstinence I will lose so is it a little inconvenient to go to a meeting sometimes it's a lot more inconvenient to be having feces in your pants at work
1: <laughs>
0: it's a lot more inconvenient to having wiping vomit off your face or hitting your head on the toilet so um, yeah it's a little inconvenient but I come anyway um, when I'm so busy, my life is so busy, I <laughs> gotta, you know. That's when I, when I, that's when I realize I'm back in self reliance. I'm not letting God, when I, let, when I turn things over to God, everything gets done that needs to get done that day. It's what I think needs to be done that day is what makes me insane. And I'm driving like a maniac because, get out of my way, I'm in a hurry. I'm going oh to on the way to a meeting, you know? <laughs> I don't think that that's very spiritual, that's not very good spiritual fitness. And so, um, you know, some things that I've also learned in this program is, you know, how am I, is that I'm trying to lead a spiritual life to the best of my ability. Of course, I make mistakes. I do things wrong. But in general, like, I'm walking with the spiritual path. And, you um, know, do my actions show that? You know, that's why we do the daily 10-step. And, um, and I do a 10-step and I do sort of the vowels and add in a few more things. So it's A is I'm asking, E did I exercise because that's such a part of my sanity routine. I is what I do for myself. Maybe it's when for a meeting. Maybe it's when for a swim. Maybe it's work on step work. O, what I do for others. There are so many opportunities to work for others. If we can open a door for someone who has all their, you know, groceries in their hands that are rushing through. We can, like, the others, you don't have to be in program to be sponsor 10 million people to be of service. You can do it to anyone on the street. Um, uncover, what I uncover that day, maybe it might be a resentment or something like that. Why? is Yahoo with my Yahoo. Something happened, got a date, I don't know. Something kind of fun. G is for what I'm grateful for. And I, re- like, that's another gift of the program. I had no idea that my disease is of negative thinking. And a gratitude list is the first thing to help me get out of my negative thinking. And um, I got... I went to the farmer's market today. It's Summer fruit is here. I'm so excited. <laughs> Cherries and plums and strawberries. I was, like, so excited. That I was, like, so grateful for that. H um, is what I need help with. And, um, you know, turning it over is what I need help with. Not, you know, getting out of my own way and... Um, doing the next indicated step. And sometimes I might be doing the dishes. Sometimes I might be doing step work. Next, sometimes it's, you know, returning that person's call. You don't want to return. Um, and so I also do, it might have it been the big book way. It's like, was I dishonest today? Was I self-seeking or self-centered? Um, I add gossip or complain because at my work, um, we have a lot of... Um, I guess clients, you could say. And we're a little snarky about them. Like, oh, they're here for, you know, this, you know. And um, that's not leading spiritual life. And so I realized that that's a big one for me, is gossiping, complaining. Um, there's one more. I can't think of any moment. This one is. Uh, fear. Oh, fear. You know, we, there's like a, we're driven by a thousand forms of fear. And my biggest fear is I'm going to be thrown away. And um, so that means I will do all the people-pleasing. I will bend over backward for you. I'm afraid I'll be unwanted, unloved, and alone. And so all my fears, everything I do before program is based on those principles. And I I have to be, you know, um, grateful for the food because I have to remember, like, the food was my only survivor skill at the time of my life. That was my only life preserver. When my family wasn't there to help me with the, the picking on, the bullying, you know, the, the, dry, <laughs> the dry powder was in there. Like the, I'm mean, sorry, not the powder, pudding. I would eat dry pudding out of the pocket and, like, remember, like, inhaling pudding dust. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't have access to the food, and I, that's what I would eat, and the cereal, you know. Um... And so I have to be, like, I, you know, when my food comes up for me, I have to be, like, you know, thank you. You helped me in the time of my life, and I, that's, you're my only tool. But now there's 12 tools of the program and 1,000 OA members I can call. I can call my sponsor. And then when there's no one around, I have the literature. And um, when I do a lot of traveling, and I always carry the little books with me, because that's an easy thing to, like, throw in my bag. It doesn't take up much space. Well, now everything's electronic, but back in the day.
1: Um,
0: and I can read that and be grounded for the day, and take that with me. I can take it on the train. No one's really reading what I'm reading, anyway. How much time do I have? to more minutes? Wow. Okay. Um, for a little list, yeah, I talked about that. I talked about that. Um, something I sort of briefly talked about was honesty, and that honesty is one of the biggest tools of the program on a personal level like when I'm honest with my food and really tell my sponsor what I'm eating really write down the quantity I'm eating makes me honest and the by doing the tools of writing is you get to see, like there's no you can't like fudge it or you know in your mind you're like poo it or downplay it but when you write it on your paper and like okay I had 10 samosas today or whatever it was you know, we really get to see that. And so um, I'm really grateful that I was willing to become honest um, so I could do... so I could see what's really going on. And, um, you know, I think, like, our disease is cunning, baffling, powerful. And it doesn't want me to see that I don't, I don't need food anymore. It wants, it wants to hold me down. And they always say, um, you know, your disease is doing pushups while well, you're trying to get in recovery. I think mine's doing triathlons. <laughs> it's like, it rears its ugly head whenever it can, and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to another meeting. I'm calling my sponsor, doing my prayers, doing my meditation. And, um, and something I really want to tell people is, like, don't let the God thing freak you out. Um, when you can choose your own higher concept of a higher power, it doesn't have to be God. I just say God because it's easier. And like um, when I first got here, like the thing that I could relate to God was the ocean. I live in Playa and like live up in the, the heights and I can see the whole bay from where I live. And um, there is a power greater than myself. I did not make that ocean. I stand in the waves. that cannot tell it to stop. It's going to knock me down. Um, it's also very calm and loving as well and um, so that was my first idea of a higher power and um, you know having conscious contact with something higher than myself is obviously, obviously the, the main principle of this program and um, there's a lot of pr- like I, it was, I'm a recovering Catholic I, went, I was, grew up Catholic and I'm so against half, from personally kind of what was going on and that's another time another place but I didn't like the prayers. And I, know I heard, like, some meetings say a lot of the prayers, and I didn't like them. And so of my responses was like, "We'll change the prayer. So I find one of the most amazing tools is use a prayer that you relate to. So, um, you know, like, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. I cannot change that my coworkers are on Facebook. I cannot change that... Um, you know, they're not helping me out. I cannot change that. The guy stood me up. I cannot change. And that helps me get closer to God. And then change the things I can, which is always my attitude. Always my attitude. And sometimes it's like, maybe I'll be willing to change my attitude. And I think that willingness piece gets you so much farther. Because you may not be, you know, willing to um, do something today, but you might be willing to be willing to do it. And I find that in, in immensely helpful. And um, the other prayer that I really like is the set-aside prayer. And it's um, something to the fact of, God, please help me set aside everything I think I know about X so that I may have an open mind and new experience. And I say that before my meals. So I can, you know, I don't get. I've been eating a lot of the same stuff. I'm getting a little bored with it. Because I've been so busy, it's like that oh, again. And you know, so I went to the farmer's market today. I'm like, yeah, strawberries. Um, but I'm, but I still say the set aside prayer because it helps me have, gives me there's great space and gets me out of self reliance and my self centeredness. And um that's helpful. Oh, I feel like it's focused so much. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about the... the can, you take, you can, can you take questions? You questions?
1: I'm sorry? Geneva. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Thank you.
0: So, um, she reminded me that I, um, I was in program four and a half years and I traveled around the world in a backpack. And um, I was absent, and I could, you know, I realized that I can take God anywhere. God is portable; God fits in my backpack, and um, that,
1: you know, I went to
0: and I went to meetings all over the world as well. I went to meetings in Okinawa, Japan, in Australia, New Zealand, um, and even Thailand. There's AA, well, AA meetings, but um, and they still so welcome me no matter where I go. So then I took a nanny job in Switzerland, and um, the, the closest meeting was 40 minutes away on a $40 train ride to Zurich. I was, I was in St. in. And um, I was working for this woman who was incredibly controlling. She had a list of 14 things I had to do every morning, including how to load the dishwasher. Like, extremely micromanaging person. And, um, you know, and I realized, like, the first thing that I started doing was I started sneaking food. Had an extra piece of bread, ate in my room, started eating cookies, eating them in my room. And in, in St. Gallen, a very, very small town. Everything closes at 6 p.m., so there's nothing open. And so I was, like, back to my pre-behavior of, like, eating the rest of the cookies And, of course, I had to replace it and then eat down to where I think that the cookies were at and trying to, like, figure out where am I going to go. It's 6 o'clock. Everything's closed. Do I go to the, you know, do I walk two miles to the gas station that might have that brand? And just, like, the insanity came back. And, um, you know, so I, I, you know, like, those behaviors started slipping and started eating the sugar, started sneaking food. Um, you know s- trying to exercise it off and those are the things that you know I know when things are getting crazy and I ended up losing my abstinence for a weekend I um, went to Zurich and I binged my way through Zurich and um, used laxatives and so um, and that was over so July 1st 2007 is my first day abstinent again and the thing is none of you guys would have known so I would have come back and said, oh, yeah, I didn't break my abstinence. Except for that's not being dishonest. I mean, that's being dishonest. And I knew that, um, you know, part of, like, part of relapse is really important to my program because now I know that nothing's more important than my abstinence, nothing's more important than my recovery. And what I put in front of it, I will lose. And when I'm... Um, like, I, now I realize, like, I was, like, such the perfect little nanny. Like, I gave her my commitment. I have to finish my commitment. Like, that's why I stayed. And now looking back, I would have given my two weeks notice like I would any other job. And saying, I'm sorry, this isn't working out. But I had to be the perfect nanny and stay for the committed time. And um, the woman was actually a friend of mine. And we're not friends anymore today, which I'm really sad about. But um, this is for me, right? Um. <laughs> and so um, I found that I was starting to go, I, because the behaviors were kicking up, I was taking that $40, and I wasn't working, like, I was making $7 an hour. And um, a latte costs more than what I was (laughs) (laughs) making in Switzerland. And so to spend $40 on a train to Zurich was a lot of money for me. But at that point, I'm like, I knew I had to go. And so I met um, this woman. They had one OA meeting a week in St. Gallen, Sunday nights. And, um, you know, I just talked about the kindness of strangers. It was mostly German-speaking. And one woman took the time and translated everything that was being said so I could understand the meeting. And I got phone numbers and for those who were the English speakers, and um, I stayed in this one woman's house when I finally did leave the nanny um, situation, and I turned over a step with her. And I am so grateful for her. And that, I really contribute to That's so one of the reasons why I started my abstinence day over. Like, I binged that weekend and that Monday, which was July 1st. I started over because I knew that I did not want to go back to feces in my pants and vomit on my face and the compulsive dieting and the insanity around food and insanity about my body and the insanity of my life. And so... Um, I uh, flew back July... first of July. That was my first day back back in the States. I was so happy to be home. Mm-hmm. And I think I went to the meeting July 5th. You know? And it was so humbling to come to a meeting after being in program for four and a half years and saying, you broke your abstinence. And um, now I know it's even though it's hard, I'd rather keep an imperfect abstinence than to, like, blow it on a cake... And have to start over. Because for me, it was so hard to get it back. I mean, not the second time, but like the first time. And giving up sugar, it was so hard to give it up again. And it was just easier to stay imperfect than to, like, have... Like, my, one of my first sponsors called it a Ferrari. She's like, your, your absence is like a Ferrari. If you dent your Ferrari, you don't total it on a binge. So we can have dents and scr- scratches in um, our Ferraris or Lamborghinis or whatever car you have and um, we don't have to blow it and binge again and um, I think I'll just leave it that for questions thanks for letting me share so the question was um, since I grew up Catholic and how did I change my concept of God and how I share that with my sponsees a quick two-sentence, one-sentence version. So when I, growing up, I grew up um, that my, that God was a punishing God, and that if you didn't do it, you're not, you're going to go to hell, kind of thing. And, um, you know, deep down, I didn't think that that would happen, you know, like, and uh, a punishing God just didn't work for me. Um, and so I sort of talked about how the ocean, I really felt at peace with the ocean, and you know, I think also coming into program, the rooms were my first kind of higher power transitioning from the punishing God, where I heard hope, where I heard other people having, you know, they said, you can you can lean on my God until you can find one of your own. You can borrow my God. And um, so I did, you know, and I, I leaned on someone else's higher power. and And then I think I just sort of, grew into another one and I'm doing a big book workshop and they said you can make your own definition of a higher power and so um, the two analogies I have it's like a you know conscious contact yet yeah, there's two part relationship is my I, I salsa dance and if you're a good salsa dancer you have to have pressure on your hands if you have like spaghetti arms you can't feel what the lead is and so I feel like that's my God is my little bit of pressure and I know exactly which way he wants me to turn, um, and I can do anything. He's, like, the best dancer ever,
1: <laughs> and I
0: can dance through any obstacle. And the other analogy I use is um, he's, like, my field guide because I do a lot of outdoor stuff, and he's never going to let me fall off a cliff, but I will fall down, and I will scrape myself, and I'll have to, like, get out the map sometimes and ask for help. And um, so those are kind of my two analogies of a higher power now. The question is, how do I incorporate exercise in my program? So um, I've always been athletic, and I've at the point, you know, I did use exercise bulimia as well. Like, I'm overeater, undereater, laxative abuser, other medicine user. Um, and exercise, like you name it, colonics. I've done everything. Like if you want to cra- talk to a crazy person, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how? I, and now I use exercise. Is is it fun? And it's really imperfect because I'm sc- right now. I'm working full time and going to school, so it's hard to get it in. But I know when I do it, it's for fun. And um, like I swim, I salsa dance. I, um, I, I walk. I'll try anything, actually. Um, but it's in moderation. Just like my food is in moderation, my exercise is in moderation. And um, at one point I was doing triathlons, and I was like, I was so mad because the guy wasn't coming fast enough in the lane. Get on my way. And I realized I had a little compulsion around my exercise. And, um, you know, now it's just moderation and balance. So the question was, how is it going to school again in recovery? And um, you know, it's, a, it's I, I get to see a lot of my old stuff. That's what it looks like. They I They repeat the question. No. Okay. Um, so I'm in um, photography school right now, and um, like it, my perfectionism is really kicked up with it, and I. I've never got anything less than A in my life because if I didn't get an A, I'm not worthy. Basically, that's my old thinking. And so, um, I get to be imperfect and like I keep telling myself when I'm all stressed, I'm like, oh my God, I gotta get this done and that done, I get this and that problem, blah, 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 the rat race, the rat wheel starts to happen. I get to tell myself, this is for fun. Like, this is for fun and for free. And nobody's going to ever ask me what grade did I get on my volleyball and cereal box project you know <laughs> and I take pictures of and I realized that it's about the experience it's about um, doing things differently this time you know totally doing things differently this time and um, and like learning that I can make mistakes but I am not a mistake is that I'm not a mistake. So the question was how I overcome the self-reliance issue. issue. <laughs> um, I think I'm doing a really intensive four-step right now, and I'm, this is, like, the first time I'm really seeing that self-reliance is one of my biggest character defects. I used to call it perfectionism or, um, and I, you know, I briefly talked about how, like, I got through life on self-reliance. And I figured everything out. And so, um, now I, I guess because it's so fresh in my mind, I'm I'm still learning about it and I'm still, you know, I plan to talk to others about it. Um, and in my meditation, just keep asking my higher power, I choose to call God, is to show me how to be God-reliant. And turning things over, like saying the third, the set aside prayer and the other prayers and specifically stating I am powerless over Victor and my life is unmanageable please show me what to do what's my next indicated step Um, and I I'm not very I'm I'm very imperfect with it you know and I think because it's my new it's something I've just recently realized and I know that um, it's not helping me anymore and I'm praying um, there's a a prayer for remo- removal of my defects, and um, can't, I can't think of it right now. But it's basically, you know, God, please remove this defective character, so, so I can be of service to you. And because um, I'm not a when I'm in self-reliance, I'm not of service to anybody. So praying, praying, meditating, and catch me in a year, and I'll tell you some more. <laughs> the question was how do I deal with my fears and give an example um, I think I'll just do a, the, a small fear because that's what I can think about right now but a lot of it was going back to school and um, when, in it, actually I mean, I'll, I'll do it about work work is more real um, I one of my fears is I'll get in trouble and I'll look bad. And I deal with a very challenging clientele, as you could say it, to leave outside professions and stuff
1: on the Internet here. Um,
0: and when I have to set boundaries and they don't like it, then they're like, well, I want to talk to your supervisor, I want to do this, I want to do that. And I immediately go to, oh, no, I'm in trouble. I'm imperfect." And then that means I'm going to look bad. And that's sort of where my biggest fears come from, is I'm going to look bad. And, um, and I guess I just get to, like, hopefully, like, sometimes when I, in the moment, like, I want to be right with that person. But I know that, um, like, there's consequences. And I get to choose to do X and X has con- consequences and choose to do Y and Y has consequences. Or whatever word you want to use, it's just easier than consequences. And I know that when I'm spiritually fit and set boundaries with someone, I'm like, okay, here's my name, here's the, you know, here's my supervisor. Let me, let me go get my supervisor. <laughs> um, and the thing is, is I know that I, if I do my job correctly, if I'm safe, if I do the right thing. Then there's no reason to be fear in that moment but I do carry that with me and I feel like oh no I'm imperfect how did I handle like then it comes the mental rat race that continues in my head like oh did I do it right how should I have done it differently blah 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 and you know talking to my sponsor about it talking to other people about it and then prayer meditation you know and I realize like that's where we go to um, I'm spiritually sick they're spiritually sick we're all on this earth together, and I try to have compassion for them. Um, so I know that's a little bit different than the fear, but it's sort of how I work that one out. Thanks for letting me share. <laughs>